everybody needs to just calm down. Hello, good evening and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I am your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, we're going to be looking back at the defeat at Aston Villa. And you're probably wondering right at the top of this podcast, why am I so happy? Why am I so cheery? Why am I so chirpy? I can assure you it's nothing to bloody do with that performance last night. Um, (laughs) But I've just had one of those days, you know, when you have those good days where you feel like you've got a ton to do and you worry all day about how you're going to get through it. And then you do get through it and you've got that satisfied feeling and you get through it with time to spare. And now I get to chill out and do this um, before I start work again a little bit later on the championship finale this evening. So before I forget, if you are watching us live or you're watching us before 7.30 p.m. UK time, jump over to the hot mic app. Give Total Football Analysis a follow. And myself and Lee Scott are bringing you live coverage of West Bromwich Albion versus QPR. And we'll be keeping an eye on what's going on on all the in all the other grounds. And we'll be uh, trying to make sense of it as the championship draws uh, to a closure. So um, here to talk about, of course, the defeat at Aston Villa. And as I said, right at the very, very top of the broadcast, everybody just needs to calm down. And I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to share with you my thoughts on what we witnessed yesterday and why we shouldn't go into meltdown mode, why we shouldn't overreact as the Arsenal fan is notorious for doing, um, and why we just need to keep calm, chill out. And um, yeah, you know, it's okay to be disappointed with a defeat. That's what football fans do. You know, they get upset, they get happy, they get down, they get up, etc. But I think some people, and I'm when I say some people, I'm judging by what I've seen on social media since the game ended, have just gone so OTT on this one that I, I, I can't get my head around it. Now, let's start off by talking about sort of the team selection. And we know that Mikel Arteta made a whole host of changes and that was expected. You know, there's a lot of games coming thick and fast. Yes, we had an opportunity to qualify for Europe via the Europa League prior to yesterday's game, uh, via the Europa League, I mean, via the league prior to yesterday's game. But let's be honest, the chances were slim. We were relying on other teams to do us a favour and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just, for me, you know, it it wasn't ever really going to happen. And so I wasn't too disappointed when I learned that we weren't going to qualify via that route because I never actually believed it was on the cards in the first place. Call me pessimistic, call me whatever you like, but that's genuinely how I felt. So if we take a look at the team that Mikel Arteta started with, um, he went with Emi Martinez in goal, as expected. It was a back three of Rob Holding, David Lewis and Sarah Kalasinac. Um, I selected Tierney instead of Kalasinac, I think, in my um, in my uh, pre-match selection. So obviously he went with Kalasinac instead. In the middle of the park, I said that I would have played Xhaka and I would have left Ceballos out. Mikel Arteta went the other way and he played Ceballos and Torreira. Cedric Suarez was at right wing back as predicted. Bukayo Saka left wing back as predicted. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang started as predicted. Alexander Lacazette played and as did Eddie Nketiah. Now we're going to come on to talk about the forwards in a minute because that was a little bit of a, a weird selection in my opinion. I'll go into the reasons why in a minute. 
Um, but let's start off with uh, the heart of the midfield, because I thought this was where Arsenal's problems really, really began yesterday. Um, you know, we, we looked to dominate possession, which we did successfully. I think if I'm not mistaken, we had around about 79% of the ball um, during this game. So you, you can't say that Mikel Arteta got it wrong in terms of us trying to control the game. But then it comes back to that big question, doesn't it? Where That seems to be on everybody's lips at the moment. And that is, are Arsenal better when they don't have possession? Are Arsenal better now, actually, when they sit off of people? Are Arsenal actually better when we're asking them to play on the counter-attack and play in the transition? Probably, because we seem to have a massive, massive issue in breaking sides down with a low block. And that is for a number of reasons, which I'm now going to go into. First of all, it's because our midfield simply is not creative enough. When Jack Granit Xhaka is not in the side, it means that Danny Ceballos, who's the only one with probably that little bit of guile, and we've seen a few decent passes from him in recent times to release people, he's probably the only one outside of Granit Xhaka that can produce that. So if you're then asking him to sit so deep the way he did last night in order to try and protect the defence, he's not able to do what he's good at, and that becomes an issue. Lucas Torreira, for me, off the boil completely. And I don't really blame the guy because he was out for a very long time. His game time since has been very limited. A couple of, um, a, a couple of um, you know, substitute appearances here and there, but never enough really for him to get back to the kind of fitness levels that he needs to be at um, in order to start a game, particularly away from home. So, you know, there were always concerns about that. There were always worries about how the midfield was going to fare. And, and the truth is that they failed that test. And the fact that Granit Xhaka came on at half time was, was proof of that. Now, I know Torreira was on a yellow card and we always know that somebody like Torreira is never really more than one slide challenge away from potentially being sent off. So it's understandable why Mikel Arteta went down that route and made the change. But it also became evident how much more we controlled the game afterwards. And I know Villa had a couple of opportunities in the second half, um, but Arsenal really, really did dominate proceedings for the most part. And that is backed up by the statistics. 69% of the ball for Arsenal. Um, shots on target, though, none. And this is, I'm going to come into the forwards in a minute, but this is what's really disappointing. Even though we had 69% of the ball, Villa had eight shots on target. That's one more than us. And it takes us back to that whole debate that we kind of had, um, you know, during the sort of aftermath of the North London derby, where we were saying, is it worthless having all of the ball if you can't turn it into something? Is it a problem? And and, and we went on about that a lot. And we've been sort of mulling over that for, for days now and weeks and just trying to wonder or figure out, I guess, how we actually lost that game. And I'll say what I said immediately after the Tottenham game. If the manager provides your team with a system that allows them to dominate and control a game of football, then he cannot be at fault if they don't take the opportunities that come along, if they don't create when they get into the positions um, sort of in the final third. That is on the players. Yes, you can say to a degree it's down to the selection and, and maybe the selection was wrong. Um, and that's why we struggled in that area. That's that's a fair point. Um, but I just think it's really, really harsh to point fingers at Mikel Arteta and say he got it horrendously wrong. I do think overall he got it wrong. I think he rested too many players. But I think he did that because he doesn't... He, he's prioritising the FA Cup. And had Granit Xhaka played from the start last night, had... 
um, Kieran Tierney played from the start last night, had Nicolas Pepe played from the start last night and picked up an injury and was subsequently ruled out of the cup final, what would we all be saying? We'd all be going mad. So there is a balance to be found. And I genuinely believe that Mikel Arteta didn't see the league as a route to get back into the Europa League. And he saw it as a game that we have to fulfil due to the integrity of the Premier League, blah, 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 blah. Aston Villa uh, are desperate for all three points for obvious reasons. And I'm not sure that I'm willing to put players on the line who have played such a high-intensity game on Saturday back in the firing line on Tuesday. It just come around too soon. And I think the selection was always going to be um, like that. And therefore, why the shock and surprise amongst some, I don't know. Um, but look, the truth is, Arsenal had plenty of the ball, but the creativity isn't there at the moment. And it's not been there for quite some time. This is not a new problem. Ever since Mikel Arteta has come in, there's no doubt that the defensive structure has improved and that Arsenal have been uh, giving up, I want to say, less chances, even though we're still giving up too many. We're giving away less than we did under Unai Emery's side. We're giving away less shots at goal anyway. But we are lacking in another area of the pitch. And it's almost as though he's had to sacrifice, um, you know, the attacking flair and the attacking prowess of this team in order to make us more defensively stable. And he's obviously decided that at this moment in time, that stability at the back is a lot more important. So, look, we're playing without a number 10. And when we talk about number 10, one player's name comes into the debate time and time again. And that is, of course, Mesa Ozil, who continues to be left out of the squad. Um, we don't know what's going on there. We've heard that he's still got back trouble, but then he's declaring himself fit on social media, which just makes it, you know, all the more baffling and all the more confusing with regards to what is actually happening there. And the reason I bring him up, because I haven't really brought him up in recent weeks because I haven't needed to. We've been performing well. Um, we've been, you know, getting positive results. We just beat, as Mikel Arteta said, two of the best teams in Europe back to back. What would be the need to look at players that weren't involved and that weren't part of it? However, when you look at what we did last night, and not just last night, in, in sort of recent weeks in terms of our inability to unlock teams, I'm not saying that he should be in the starting eleven, but there is an argument, surely, just a, a little one, a slight argument, that he should at least be in the squad. And, and that is what makes me feel uneasy about this whole situation. You know, it, it seems like it's... Um, there's obviously something more that's gone on there. And, and obviously as fans, when we don't know what the ins and outs of it are, it's very hard to draw conclusions or take sides. But I think people will start to ask the question more. If time goes on and we continue to struggle to break teams down, when we've got somebody who, yes, he's nowhere near his peak anymore and he's not been good enough for quite a while, but you would argue he's more equipped to do that than some of the other options that Mikel Arteta is selecting. So the questions will be asked and it's fine for the questions to be asked. But the the sort of reaction that I've seen in terms of people just having a go at Mikel Arteta, I've seen him called a one-trick pony. I've seen him called incompetent. I've seen him called out of his depth um, in the past sort of 24 hours or so on, on Twitter. And it's just too much. Everybody just needs to, like I said, right at the top of the show, just calm down. If Arsenal go and win the FA Cup this season, which we stand a very very good chance of doing. Nobody's going to talk about 
were the penultimate game at Aston Villa when we got beat and rested half of our side. Nobody's going to talk about that. Seasons are not determined by games like last night. And I mean that in the most respectful possible way. Yes, it's a Premier League game. Yes, we still had a fighting chance of qualifying for the Europa and finishing in the top seven. But the chance was a small one, in my opinion. And so I continue to back Mikel Arteta in his decision to prioritise the FA Cup over this game. I also expect him to make a lot of changes against Watford as well on Sunday. I think there's a balance to be found in terms of keeping momentum and keeping people fit. But I do expect Mikel Arteta will largely base his selection on Sunday again on how people have recovered from, from Tuesday and how people are sort of training ahead of the final. That, that That is the reality of the situation. The league is gone. Forget about it. If we finish 8th or ninth or even 10th, it doesn't really make the world of difference to Arsenal Football Club. But winning the FA Cup could be a springboard on which Mikel Arteta's reign can push on. A springboard in which we can go out and say to players, look, even in our worst season, and it has been our worst season, definitely the worst season I can ever remember as an Arsenal fan, we won a trophy. We went to a final. We proved that in the big games we can turn up and we can compete with the very, very best. So the FA Cup has to take precedent. It has to take priority. And I understand why people were frustrated last night. I understand why people were feeling down. I mean, I made this big hoo-ha about um, sort of kicking the missus out for the evening and the, and, and the boy, because I just wanted to watch the game in complete and utter peace in concentration. And I, I finished it saying, I'm never going to get that 90 minutes of my life back. It was that shit. It was crap. It was crap. Um, so I understand why people frustrated at the time, but I just think those sort of calling for Mikel Arteta saying that they've lost faith in him, are just being too reactive. And it's often the same people that were overreacting at the fact we've beaten Manchester City. So there's got to be a balance to be found. And for me, this team are nowhere near as good as they need to be. They're not anywhere near the level um, of which they need to be at if we're going to compete for a top four position next season. But I think we're all sensible enough to see that and recognise that. And therefore, people need to calm down a little bit. And just look, last night was an off night. We're going to have setbacks. This team are are still learning, still developing. Whether you think that they're, um, you know, they're good enough at all in the long run is another matter. They're probably not. And that's a fair assessment to make. And I'm not going to argue with that. But I just I just want everybody to chill out a little bit after last night's last night's result. Frustrating, disappointing, crap to watch. Get all of that. But it's done. Draw a line under it. That's all I'm saying. Back Mikel Arteta, support him. And that brings me on nicely to another subject that we're going to discuss. And that is the plane that was flown over Villa Park uh, last night with a banner. Um, and it said, back Arteta. Um, Cronky out. Was that the wording? Correct me if I'm wrong. Let me know in the comments. I, I've gone blank for a minute. It definitely, anyway, something along those lines. Back Cronky, uh, back Arteta, Cronky out, something like that. Um, but we got the gist of it. Uh, we understood the message. We get it. And I was watching the game on um, on Sky Sports. And I, I decided to try and watch the game without the crowd sounds yesterday to try and get a feel of sort of the communication that goes on on the pitch and on the sidelines, um, et cetera, et cetera. And there was this humming noise. There was this annoying humming noise 
over the stadium for a good few minutes. And then I'd seen on Twitter that the, the plane was flying over and I saw pictures of the banner and stuff and all that. And I get that. Now, I am all for calling out the Cronkies, all for questioning their ownership, all for applying pressure on them to do the right thing by the club. Absolutely. Um, when the We Care DU movement come out, I wasn't one of the people that started it. I'm not trying to take credit for something I didn't do. Um, but I am in the WhatsApp group. I was sort of approached and asked if I'd take part in it and put some messages out. And I did go on a couple of radio programs on TalkSport, on Love Sport Radio, uh, and spoke to some newspaper journalists about the whole movement and about the whole thing and what we were aiming to achieve. So I am someone who backs the, the sentiment of it. I don't necessarily like the way some people, that's not everybody, has gone about it. And that includes some of the people that are in the group uh, and, and of the original founders. I feel like at times there's a bit of a struggle for power, um, you know, about I want to be the one to do this and I want to be the one to do that. When you just lose sight of the whole purpose of the thing and the whole purpose is that we as a fan base get united and support the respectful application of pressure on the Arsenal ownership to further invest in the club, further invest in the team, and in turn get us back up to where we belong. So I, I, I'm fully on board with that. The plane flew over the ground last night. I thought the timing of it was a little bit strange. I'm going to use the word strange. And I said, I thought it was strange because we just beaten Liverpool. We've just beaten Manchester City in an FA Cup semi-final. We've gone to the, the FA Cup final. We're all buzzing. But that play must have been planned before we were a goal down to Villa. So I, I just, I, I'm not 100% sure about the timing of it. And I guess last summer, you know, Arsenal spent some money in the transfer market. And then people said, people said, oh, well, we look a bit stupid now because we made this big hoo-ha and then the club spent it. And some were even trying to take the credit for it and saying that's why the club spent because Arsenal fans got together and created this campaign. I don't think so. I think the plans with regards to spending for a summer are mapped out well in advance. And I think Arsenal's plan now has already been mapped out. I think when Mikel Arteta says we'll have to see what happens, etc., I think what they are waiting on is they're waiting on to know whether they're going to be in Europe because that will have a substantial impact on what the budget is understandably so you, you the club don't know where they're going to be come the end of this season yet in terms of their finances so how can we expect them to commit or not commit on what they're going to spend i'm not their biggest fan i don't support a lot of the things that they've done and i know that last summer they sold and as well as buying but that's the reality of the situation that arsenal find themselves in and the ffp rules have been relaxed now and that's great and hopefully we might see some investment come from some slightly different places in terms of releasing funds from other places. The restructure, the debt might help, etc., which is great. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I just think if you're having a go at them now, before they've even done anything wrong, and when I say doing anything wrong, I mean in terms of this transfer window coming up, then it just it, it it just feels like the message gets lost for me. I genuinely believe that. And that's not to knock the people that done it. I'm sure those who were involved in it did it with the best intentions. And I'm not for a second saying that they don't have the club's interest at the heart of what they're doing. I just, uh, me personally, I didn't really understand the timing of it. And I've said it on previous shows. 
I'm willing to be a little bit more understanding of the financial difficulties that we're struggling with just because the whole world is going through financial difficulty at the moment. I'm going through it in my business. I'm going through it in my job. I'm going through it in what I do. So, you know, of course, big, even big corporations like Arsenal Football Club um, are going to suffer as well due to the sort of unprecedented times that we've been going through. So I am going to be a little bit more patient about that. We've seen in the past that spending money is not always the answer. Spending money right is the answer. And Arsenal need to do that. And even if it means spending less, but spending it in the correct way, well, that'll probably be more effective. So let's focus on getting our recruitment right um, in order for us to try and bridge that gap and make up for the lack of finances that we think is going to um, sort of be a direct result of the of the COVID-19 thing. So, yeah. With the plane, yes, I get it. I understand why it was done. I understand the sentiment. I'm not the Cronkies' biggest fan. Just thought the timing was a little bit weird. Just my view. And also, when you look at the way Mikel Arteta responded after the game as well, you know, nobody's going to come out really and out their bosses on, on live TV. But I did get the impression that he was telling the truth when he said they are backing him and that they are supportive of him. And that he would call it out if they weren't. I do genuinely get that impression from Mikel Arteta. And, you know, some Arsenal fans are going to be quick to jump on the on the bandwagon and say to me, well, you didn't give Unai Emery this kind of trust and you didn't give Unai Emery this kind of leeway. You're right. And that's because about Mikel Arteta, I just have this feeling. I can't explain it. It's not based on any science or any clear and obvious evidence. It's purely a feeling that he is the right man. It's a feeling that he's the person to take us back to where we need to be. And that's why I put more faith in him than I have in previous management. And that's why I hang on to his words a little bit more than I did Unai Emery. It's, it's, it's that plus the fact that I actually get what Mikel Arteta is trying to convey. Again, no fault of Unai Emery's, said it time and time again, but the communication thing was a massive issue and prevented, in my view, a lot of people buying into his methods. So Arteta's response tells you that they are behind him. He's also clearly aware of the limitations that he may be faced with this summer. And so he's not, you know, whilst he's sort of calling them out and saying, yeah, you know, you need to you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to back me. And he's kind of indirectly done that in a couple of interviews. He has never shied away from the fact that this is going to be a really, really difficult summer for Arsenal. So, yeah. That's where I'm at following uh, last night's game. As I said, not as doom and gloom as everybody else. I really am not. Um, it didn't affect me as much as it has affected some Arsenal fans. Because the truth is, if you'd asked me, would I have swapped the Liverpool City victories for a defeat at Villa? I'd have taken it. And I, I'll say it again. The game meant the absolute world to Aston Villa, to Arsenal. This was about navigating through a Premier League game that maybe would give us a chance of finishing in the top seven, but probably wouldn't. And also avoiding any injury, any serious fatigue ahead of an FA Cup final. And an FA Cup final that could actually shape Arsenal's development in the next few years under Mikel Arteta. It's really, really important to me. Um, and that's why I've taken that viewpoint. Right, let's go to some of your live comments for the last seven minutes or so. Um, Omar says that was an embarrassing performance. Again, I reiterate what I said. I understand the frustration, but for me, I'm over it. 
You know, it's, it's not even been 24 hours and I'm over it. Uh, Femi says, evening, Harry. I'm a bit let down, but not totally. Um, Archie says, it's not the result I'm worried about. It's Cronky. And that plain banner was 100% right. Um, he also says, we need a clear out. And the players, Cronky hasn't earned the trust. We need a clear out of the players, I guess that's supposed to say. And then he says, Cronky hasn't earned the trust to deliver. Um, Terran Blondell says, personally, I waited to hear your assessment of the performance because I can't stand listening to other podcasters because they act like fanboys and don't do a real dispassionate assessment of the game and players. Thank you so much, mate. Um, appreciate your kind words. Um, Goose1066 says, three strikers was the wrong choice. I said I was going to talk about that, and didn't I? And I haven't, and I should. Eddie and Ketia from the right-hand side. No go. Doesn't work. Forget it, Mikel. Don't try it again. But again, he was trying to give Eddie and Ketia a game because he's been out for a while um, due to suspension whilst giving somebody else a breather. And that's what it's all about. It's about the squad rotation. And I genuinely believe that Mikel Arteta is looking forward. And as much as he never said it in public, I genuinely believe that his selection yesterday was looking further ahead of what's going to happen in the Premier League. Genuinely believe that. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Carol says, hi, Harry. We've had the same problem with Arsene Wenger. The cup is a priority. I think in this instance, Carol, where the chances, as I keep saying, of, of making the Europa League via the league were reliant upon others, I think it was the sensible choice to make. I think Arsene Wenger's FA Cup victories were key in terms of getting fans off of his back and buying him a little bit more um, leeway but I think as Arsenal fans we can't we can't help but enjoy cup final victories I mean we love them you go there you enjoy it it's a day out the feeling watching your team lift the trophy is is the ultimate buzz in football and it's at the end of the day it's why we all love the game and it's why we all watch the game I don't think Mikel Arteta's choice here has been such an outrageous one. I think it's the sensible one when you take that emotion out of it and you scrap the St. Totteringham's Day bollocks because, you know, there's a lot of Arsenal fans that are upset because of that. Why? Who gives a shit? We're, we're on our own journey. We are so far off of where we need to be. We cannot be preoccupied with what others are doing. And so let's, let's go with the FA Cup. The, you know, the... The outcome of that is purely in our own hands, not relying on anybody else. If we perform on a day, we will get the result and we will be the FA Cup winners. Therefore, qualifying for the Europa League, achieving that goal, also giving the whole club a lift, also convincing perhaps the likes of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that we can still win trophies despite where we are at the moment. And also potentially persuading future players that this is a place to come and win stuff. So, I, I, I get it, but I also think that in the cold light of day, when you take the emotion out of it, that Mikel Arteta has made the right choice. Time will tell if it proves to be um, the right choice in the end, but nobody can say that until the FA Cup final is done and dusted. Um, what else have we got here? Um, Barry Sacconi says, totally agree, Harry. Arteta has to rest players due to potential injury with three very hard games in seven days. Now we don't play in Sunday, then again in six days, August the 1st. That's right. Um, the preparation time 
that we're going to have for this cup final is a lot better than we've had in any of our Premier League games, if we're realistic. If the players played City on Saturday, what, they probably had Sunday off. And then what did they have to prepare for this Villa game? Monday and then Tuesday, you're travelling? It's not enough time. It's not enough time to shift a game plan that you've been working on for a period of time for the, the semi-final. Then we had Wednesday to Sunday, uh, Wednesday to Saturday, sorry, to work on that. And all your focus is on that. Then how can you shift your focus so quickly and have enough time to prepare for a game like Villa? Um, you probably can't. And, you know, it's not an excuse for Arsenal getting a poor result, but it's certainly a factor, isn't it? And it's probably why Mikel Arteta has felt that he has to sacrifice something. Um, I want my Arsenal back, says Harry, do you agree with what we stand for? Back Arteta or sell? We want our Arsenal to compete again. I do. I, I do. Like I said, I was I was involved um, with the guys from We Care Do You when it first came out, before it was even properly launched sort of out to the press and stuff. So, of course, I believe in the sentiment and I want to see our owners held accountable and I want to see them do what's right for the football club. There's no question about that whatsoever. But I will say it again, I, I'm not sure about the timing of the plane. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. Um, da, da, da. What else have we got? Lots and lots of comments. Keep them coming. I'm just scrolling through them at the moment. Um, Sassid Wasami says, I feel like all this game did was just amplify what we knew in terms of the players that don't fit Arteta's system. Torreira, Socrates, Ozil, etc. Type of players with the type of players we desperately need to get rid of, I guess. And we need an attacking midfield. Exactly. This is kind of uh, this is the crux of my whole monologue today, which is we haven't learned anything new. We haven't discovered any problems that we didn't already know about. We're fully aware of this team's limitations. But what happens is naturally when you beat Liverpool and you beat Manchester City, the level rises and you feel like you've turned the corner. In actual fact, we haven't. And in actual fact, if we're being realistic, we should know that we're not going to turn a corner completely in such a short space of time. So that's absolutely right, Sassy. The game did amplify issues that we already knew about. Uh, Marquee Signing says, there is fucking 10 days till the FA, uh, from the FA Cup final. More than enough to recover. We also play on Sunday and then there's six days. So what happens if two of your key players get injured on Sunday? What if it's a hamstring injury, a groin injury? Who recovers from a hamstring pull or a groin pull or a knee injury or an ankle twist in six days? Nobody. And that's the point. That's the point. Um, big hello to 305 cast. Check out uh, the Miami podcast as well. Um, check him out. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter. And a uh, big hello to you, mate. Thank you for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. Um, what else have we got here? Um, scrolling, 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 um, scrolling, 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 still scrolling. Um, Matt Gray, big hello to you, Matt. Um, he says, being in Europe will also impact which players want to sign for us. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. Not only does it have financial implications, it has reputational ones too. And yes, the Europa League in the Premier League and in the UK is somewhat sniffed at, um, you know, and people turn their noses up at it. But the reality is in Europe, actually, the Europa League is far more valuable than the way we see it. And it could have an impact on, on players wanting to come. 
Uh, da, 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 da. Let's keep going down the comments. Thank you so much. Keep them coming. Um, Naz Osman says, Harry, keep spreading the sanity. Arteta is our man. Thank you very much, mate. Um, look, that brings us to the end of uh, another edition of the podcast, live edition. Thank you so much. If you haven't hit the like button, please do. Um, what are you waiting for if you haven't? Really, really appreciate it. But please uh, don't forget to do that. It's so, so important. Leave your uh, comments as well um, in the uh, chat box underneath. And I'll definitely be having a read and responding to some of those a little bit later on as well. So just to finish off one final message is everybody just needs to calm down. Disappointing result, disappointing performance. As Sassid said, it's not anything new. There aren't flaws that we didn't, we didn't see flaws, sorry, last night that we didn't already know about the lack of creativity, the poor defending from a set piece. We know about all of that. We're all completely aware of it. Therefore, chill out. I'm not going to say trust in the process because I feel like people are just throwing that phrase out for the sake of it nowadays. But trust in what Mikel Arteta is trying to do, but also equally understand that there's only so much he can do until he's able to move out some of the, the usual culprits, until he's able to bring in players that he believes understand fully what he's trying to do. Um, and, and, you know, when you take into consideration... We've just beaten Liverpool and we've just beaten Manchester City. And in our worst ever fucking season as Arsenal fans, particularly in my lifetime, we're going to an FA Cup final. Just ride with it. Just take it. Just chill out. You know, nobody will be talking about the Cronkies after last night if that plane didn't turn up. Would you? Be honest. Let me know in the comments. Would any of you have mentioned the Cronkies following that Aston Villa game? Had a plane not showed up with a banner? No. And that is the point, isn't it? It's just, whilst I say that the banner, I get the sentiment and I understand the, Mik the back Mikel Arteta is done with good intentions. You just stir the pot and, and create extra shit ahead of an FA Cup final. And we don't really need that. If the summer comes along and they don't back him, then we'll turn around and we'll, we'll, we'll get the banners out by all means. If I could fly a plane, I would fly one, but I can't. I'd probably kill myself and everyone else as well. But, you know, just chill out. We lost to Aston Villa. We beat Liverpool. We beat Man City. We're in the FA Cup final. Aston Villa wanted it more than us, etc., etc. It isn't great. It is frustrating. I do get angry when I watch it. I was angry. If you go onto our uh, podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Acast, wherever it is you get your podcast, you'll, listen, you'll hear our post-match reaction show, which was around about 20 minutes after the game last night. Within 15, 20 minutes of the final whistle, we recorded that. And you'll notice I'm a lot more animated and a lot more disappointed. And I raise some very different points because obviously in the cold, hard light of day, you start to reassess things and you start to think about them in a calmer manner. And that's why I feel like I'm a lot calmer today. So do check that out. I should have mentioned that earlier on. If you're not subscribed to our audio feed, please do so. Because there is some extra content on there that you're not getting if you're just a YouTube subscriber. So please do check that out as well. Leave us a review on there too. And uh, we're going to be back very, very soon with more. We'll be back tomorrow um, with a little something. Not sure what the topic will be yet, but I'm sure something will pop up in the Arsenal world. Um, and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, big thank you to Tony, uh, to Paul, 
uh and to carol for your comments and to everybody else who's been involved in the live chat box apologies i couldn't get through to all of them but i'm off to work so uh cheers guys have a great night and uh, we'll be back tomorrow